0: Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 256. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a guest I've been excited to have on for a while. He will use a pseudonym. The pseudonym will be KL, the two letters of the alphabet, and you will be able to see that in the episode image, and we're doing this for obvious reasons. We're going to jump into legal ideas, and I'm kind of getting excited about where this is headed because I feel like we're getting to a point where a living man or a living woman could choose to be in the public realm or the private realm if they know what they're doing. And that's really, I think, about the best we can do right now. Maybe someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Anyhow, welcome, Jason.
1: Good morning, Crow.
0: How's it going, man? Beautiful. How are you? Uh, Good. It's actually cooled off mightily here. We haven't had any rain in forever, and every hurricane that's come through has been shunted off to ensure we don't get rain it's dry as a bone but uh if we don't have anything let's get right on this let's do it welcome kl yeah thanks for having me crow it's a really privilege to have you i'm going through all the docs you sent and uh as we mentioned off air i think we're going to need to jump in and outline what a trust is what a trust agreement is the idea of serfdom called divide and rule these things so i'm just going to throw it right to you and let you start to uh Pardon the pun, lay down the law. Okay,
2: thanks again. A student of mine listens to you, and he's the one that kind of got me interested, and I went ahead and joined your group, Uh, because I think you give out some good information. Anyways, I'll start with some, uh, what I'm going to talk about is trust agreements. The reason I talk about this is because trust agreements are the mechanism that the elite have used to rule over us for hundreds or even thousands of years. And I'll repeat that. Trust agreements are the mechanism that the elite used to rule over us for the last hundreds or even thousands of years. Now, did either one of you guys watch Game of Thrones?
0: I didn't watch it religiously. I'm aware of, I don't know, two, three episodes in part, okay. uh, but I but I did follow it enough because I knew the windup was gonna be telling. So I watched that final windup, but okay. that's about it for me. Yeah. Well, I wanna,
2: I wanna make my skip that or come back. You were in the military, correct, Crow? Marine Corps, yes. All right, so what was your rank?
0: I got out as a Lance corporal.
2: Okay. So at the beginning you were a private, then a private second class, then a private first class, and then a corporal, correct?
0: Well, in the Marine Corps, it actually goes private PFC first class, then to Lance corporal. And when I was in to move up, your billet had to empty out from the top down. So if there were too many staff sergeants and stuff, you had to wait. Okay.
2: So the military granted you a title of Lance corporal. Correct. Correct. So with that title came certain privileges and benefits. Like, in other words, you got paid better than a private first class or regular private, right?
0: (laughs) Right. But I will point out the downside. The downside (laughs) of those benefits is astonishing. But then also
2: with that title comes certain duties and responsibilities, obligations, right? Yes. Now, the biggest thing you have to learn about trust is when you get put into a trust or agree to be in a trust. The grantor, who in this case would be the service or the, the Marine Corps, gets to pick the law form that you're under. So, when you were a, a lance corporal in the uh, Marines, did you have the Constitution and Bill of Rights? No. no you didn't, UC, did
0: you? UCMJ. Right.
2: A Uniform Code of Military Justice, because you voluntarily agreed to be under a different law form. Now, I know they didn't tell you that when you were going to sign up and all of these things were happening. But the point is, this is a typical example of a trust agreement where someone grants you a title, you get certain benefits and privileges. Along with that comes duties and obligation, but you have to pay attention to what law form you're under while you're in that trust, okay?
0: I was gonna illustrate really quickly just to put a fine point on what you're saying. At one point while I was in Japan, uh, tattoos were forbidden by the base commander. And this is what he informed everyone. If we catch you getting a tattoo, you will be court martialed, forget this, defacing government property. So that puts a fine point on what you just laid down. And, and he wasn't kidding you one iota. No. Because he had total he control. He had total control
2: over you, which means he was the trustee in that trust agreement, which is, right. and you agreed to it. This is the whole thing that you voluntarily agreed to this. Let's do a car. Car is another example where uh, when you buy it, you sign a piece of paper, um, power of attorney, sends the legal title to the state. You get use and possession of the car, just like you get use and possession of your rank. Okay, You get to use it every day. You possess it. But the state gets to tell you, you got to have insurance. You got to have the registered. You have to have plates, uh, stickers every year, right? Yep. So another typical example, you signed it. You agreed to it. You agree to play by their rules. You're in their sandbox. But you, and the important part is you get what we call equitable title, which is use and possession of the thing or the asset, while someone else gets legal title, which is controlling interest of the thing. So the state maintains they get to tell you what to do. The police can tow it away anytime they want to because it's not your property legally. I know you think you bought the car when you paid for it, but you didn't. All you bought was the right to use the car. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, we've covered versions of this, the idea of registering and receiving a certificate in return. And the reason we've gone down that road previously, not as far as I would have liked, which I'm hoping we'll do today, is a similar thing goes on at the birth of um, a man or a woman or a a baby, (laughs) I guess we'll say.
2: That's exactly right. The birth birth record, it gets uh, recorded or registered in the county first, and then the state now those are two different uh things that are going on when it's registered with the state the name is registered okay so who do you think gets legal title to the name the state you get use and possession of the all caps name because that's what's used to conduct commerce every day would well, that make sense your bank accounts your credit card your all of your insurances uh, are all in the all caps name right they are So you get get use of possession of the all camps name, but who maintains legal control of the name?
0: The state. Does it go above that, though? I mean, the feds must be getting in on this game, right? Sure. They do it in uh, (laughs) when you
2: do a social security number. It's another trust. There are so many trusts going on all over the place. You can't. It's hard to keep track of them all. But the point is, if you're dealing with the government or a bank, you're almost undoubtedly in a trust agreement of some kind. And they're, like I said, they, I'll give you examples of uh, trust agreements uh, your certificate of life birth, your bank account, the Federal Reserve notes, your car insurance, your life insurance, your car title, your mortgage on your house, your driver's license, your IRA accounts. Every time you click user on your computer, it's a trust agreement because you got use of the program, but who controls it? Facebook, Google, whoever, right? Another trust agreement. Uh, your U.S. citizenship is in a trust. Your social security tr- uh, account is in a trust. So my point is, is you have to learn about trust agreements and trust law if you ever want to figure out a remedy or a solution to the problem.
0: I got to ask. So if I, I have a birth certificate. So does that make me equity and someone else the beneficiary?
2: You're the beneficiary. You get to use the name the rest of your life. And and what it comes with is limited liability that all caps name is limited liability whether you're in a courtroom whether you're uh, getting sued for something whether you're in a car accident you're not the primary liable the primary liable person is the all caps entity your secondary liable is what we use the word surety because you have agreed to take on the obligation or debt of another so these are terms that they use all the time so again when you do the certificate let's call it what it really is the state certificate of live birth is put in a trust first of all that when they do that by operation of the law they create a uh, corporation of one or a corporate soul or what we call a sole corp okay and that corporation the all caps name is placed into a public trust that you are the beneficiary of okay they maintain control like they do with everything on the uh, legal side that they are able to control that anytime they want, you're the beneficiaries because you get use of that all capital name in commerce. You cannot do commerce as a natural man because commerce is done with incorporated entities and you're a non-incorporated entity as a natural man. So they create one for you. They're giving you a benefit so you can do all of these things. Um, They get your mom to sign the piece of paper when you're born, put you in the system, to give you all of these benefits, but they control it on the same level, agreed? Yes. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna take you back in history just a little bit uh, to kind of go through what I normally go through with some people. 1776, let's start with that. Declaration of Independence, we win the war, right? I sent you a copy of the Declaration of Independence and on the last paragraph in the Declaration, it says we you know they list their complaints we therefore solemnly publish and declare this declaration of independence so what i want to emphasize is the declaration is the document that gave everyone their freedom it isn't the constitution it actually was the declaration so let's move on after the revolutionary war seven years later 1783 treaty of peace comes along I also sent you a copy of the Treaty of Peace because it has three parties to it. The party was England, Prince George, the Duke of Brunswick, and Luxembourg, when he was the representative for the Holy Roman Vatican Empire and the United States of America. And they, And We sent three representatives, Ben Franklin, John Jay, and John Adams, who were all Esquires. Now, at the Treaty of Peace, again, I think I sent you a copy that... Uh, on Article 4, it is agreed that the creditors on either side shall meet with no lawful impediment to the recovery of the full value in sterling money of all bona fide debts heretofore contracted. So at the end of the war, we basically owed France about six million, I think they call it livre, if you want to call it dollars, it really doesn't matter, but basically we owe them money. And this treaty of peace agrees that we owe them that money. And under normal rule, international rules at that time, the debt would be due in seven years. So 1783 plus seven years, that means the debt is due in 1790. All right, and everyone knows this. So 1790s coming up in 1789, the six million original lever that we owed has increased to 18 million because we just kept borrowing more and more money from them. Does that sound familiar like what goes on today?
0: Right, how everyone sure. is is coerced into living today. Yes, yes, exactly. So again, we got one year
2: out. We owe eighteen million, or I should say, you know, the country owes eighteen million rate. Right? We don't have it. So what do we do? We form a constitution. The Continental Congress doesn't have the money, so they form a constitution under under Black's Law. Constitution is a security with sureties created by constitutors. Now the constitutors in the original constitution were the 13 original states they're the ones that formed this agreement but i'm going to call it a restructuring of the debt and that's where the the title of the episode of the collateralization of america comes from that really the constitution think of it as a restructuring of the debt so an agreement has come between the 13 states and the bank of england by now has bought the debt from france so we really owe it to the the bank of england um, they convened the first Congress, you know, at that time all citizens were, or all citizens you yeah, have their respective state were born in, were considered Article 4, Section 2 citizens. They shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of the citizens of several states, including the 8 Bill of Rights. So, back in 1789, all the citizens had the Bill of Rights to go with it, all right? So, here is the restructuring agreement. Bank says, i tell you what we're going to do. You give us legal title all federal land and buildings in other words they're creating the trust again they want legal title to the federal land and buildings we also want you to start a central bank and um, to do that we will delay the debt or push it off 70 years because once you become a country the the debt rules in international law go to 70 years instead of like seven years for an individual or a company so everyone agrees they form this constitution, a restructuring of the debt. We say, OK, well, we'll, we'll pay it in 70 years. But in the meantime, we've got to pay rent to the Bank of England, and they have uh, legal titles, so we've got to pay taxes uh, on the federal land and the federal buildings to the Bank of England. What a deal, right? So
1: why didn't these former Brits tell these current Brits to sod off?
0: <laughs> we got sold out.
2: That's the way I look at it.
0: It's really yeah. about money, right? That's the yes. fulcrum. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got to live. We got to do these. That, that So they're, they're, they're. Yes. You know, painted themselves into a corner. Yes.
2: Under international law, liquidation. You know, they would have come in. Whoever borrowed the money would have been liquidated. So what I look at it is almost they socialized the debt onto everybody instead of just whoever they were, the rich people at the time that had borrowed the money or whoever did. I'm not sure, but. They would have been able to come in under international law and liquidate and take some of our assets had we not either restructured it or paid the bill at
0: that time. Well, what Jason points out is actual, you know, maybe a a more realistic reason of having a war, though, right? Um, (laughs) Well, yeah,
2: right. The places are to go F yourself.
0: All all the theaters of war were shown. Um, Here's a reason they could have actually said, "Nah," uh, but it didn't go that way, did it? No, it didn't. Unfortunately,
2: uh, money, just like now, is the main factor in governing everything back then. So what does 1789 plus 70 years come to? 1859. Jason, anything happened really important around that time? In 1859? Well, around 1859. Civil War. Oh, sure. Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to back up one thing, too. This is another important part. When they form the constitution, a company is formed to handle the 19 enumerated powers that the government doesn't want to handle. So they hire a company. It's called a trust management organization, or I call it an HOA, a homeowners association. Do either one of you guys have a homeowners association? I do. Luckily okay. not. Well, with, then you know what it is, Jason. You, you contract with them to do certain things. Mow the grass, do this, the, uh, either the cable or the garbage, right? Correct. That's all you do is you, any power you give them is voluntarily and done under contract. That's how I want you to think of the federal government. They're an HOA or a homeowners association or a trust management organization. They were hired just to do the 19 enumerated powers that we told them to do. Now, of course, that isn't true today, but that's how it originally started. So I'll get into how they overtook everything. So we get up to 1759. Guess what? They don't have the money again, or I should say the HOA that's been borrowing the money doesn't have it. So now the debt is $90 million, okay? So the original 13 states have to ask the other 30 states, they are now 33 union states, they have to ask them, they'll sign on to this new agreement to restructure the debt again. So what do you think the South said? Up yours. We're
1: not going to pay your bills is the attitude I think they had.
2: Correct. We don't know. That's not ours, that's yours. That's exactly what happened. So Lincoln in his wisdom, I should say lack thereof, declared war on not only the South, but also the North because he wanted the union so they could restructure the debt. All right, so we have the war, but we lose the war, right? The Southern States walk out March 27th, 1861. In 1863, April 24th, Lincoln declares the, the HOA, and it was called the United States, upper, lower, is what the company was called. They're bankrupt. The military takes over the duties of the of that HOA. That's why the lever code, because we had no one in that position. They were bankrupt. So he appoints the military to kind of take over that role as you want to call it the federal government. Again, I call it an HOA. All right. We're with you. All
1: right. So, did anything change after the Civil War, though? Because I've kind of been under the impression that the government and the country that used to be before is not the one that existed after.
2: You are you are good. Of course, I'm, I'm going to get there. Just try. I'm going to try not to jump the gun, but absolutely correct. More changes are yet to come, but it's all about the money. It's all about restructuring the debt almost every time. So that's what my main focus and. What I want you trying try to pay attention to. So 1865, the war ends. We have to restructure the debt. So the bankers say, I tell you what we're going to do. We'll, we'll let it go another 70 years into the future. But, you know, the first time we got legal title to all the federal land and federal buildings. This time we want all of the legal titles to the state land and the state buildings also. All right. If you agree to that, we'll agree to push off the debt another seventy years, which seventy years plus eighteen fifty nine, when it was originally due, gets you to nineteen twenty nine. Jason, anything dun, dun, around
0: nineteen
2: twenty nine? Well,
1: yeah, there's just something that happened in nineteen twenty nine, isn't there? It went boom, didn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, it's not on purpose because, again, we're, we're at the point where the debt is due. Uh, let me think. 1929. So at that time, the debt is $17 billion. And guess what? The HOA doesn't have it. Now, I'm going to back up just a second. When the when the first company went bankrupt in um, 1861, the United States company, okay? The military takes over till 1871 when D.C. incorporates itself, okay? Do you remember that? The act of 1871. Where Washington DC incorporates itself and becomes a corporation. Right. Okay. At that time, also a new HOA or trust management organization for the federal government is formed or hired. Hired and it's a corporation that the Vatican opens up and it calls itself the United States of America Incorporated, upper lower. So we have a new company, a new corporation. That's the whole point, is it's a corporation now that's going to run things. And what they do is they start forming sub-corporations or franchises, okay? And every state, you know, the Illinois state, which was the original union state, forms a sub-corporation, a franchise called the State of Illinois. I think Crow, where you're at, State of New Hampshire, State of Texas, State of Florida. Those are corporations that are franchises of the original corporation that the Vatican started in 1871. Make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm follow, I'm following along here. Um, but but what what I don't get about what you just laid down is there a difference between the 13 original so-called colonies at this point when they're when they're setting up the new corporate structure or is everyone in the same also, co-
2: oh, they all all of them formed these franchises because they, they another trust was formed in 1871 where the uh, the original People, again, let's say the United States of America, come into the states and they say, you know, again, after the war, everybody's broke. This is a reconstruction. We're going to form a new trust. And that trust is where the state of these franchises are now going to become the beneficiaries of this trust. Instead of we, the people, we're going to make with the people, the citizens become the trustees or the ones that are uh, the employees of this uh, these corporations. So basically, the employees or trustees are the, always the guys that have to pay. So I think there's a a trust diagram that I sent you guys where it's got two trusts on it, two big triangles. The first one was a red one. That's the original Constitution of 1789, the trust agreement. And again, that was called the Constitution for the United States of America. When they formed the second trust agreement in 1871, it's called the Constitution of the United States of America. And the word of in trust law can mean without. So it's very deceiving. So basically, when you hear the word "of," you have to think of the Constitution without the United States of America. Bank of America—that's a bank without America. State of New Hampshire is the state without New Hampshire. I know this is legal ease and it sounds deceptive, and I won't even use the word tricky. I'll use the word deceptive. Um, this is how they pull the wool over everybody's eyes. That the state of New Hampshire is the Corporate franchise of that 1871 corporation that's running things now that that you see every day. Okay, it isn't the New Hampshire state, which is the original, one of the 13 original union states. Now, it's there, and it's functioning, but you just don't see it. What you're seeing is the corporate side of everything. Okay, remember when Mark, you had just had a monitor from Australia. He kept telling you that there's two jurisdictions going on at the same time, right?
0: Yep. Private and public.
2: Absolutely. And that's what you really, it isn't one or the other. It's going on at the same time. There is a republic state of New Hampshire, and there is a public state of New Hampshire going on at the same time. You have to navigate and figure out which one you want and how to use each one that you want. It isn't that one took over and the other one's gone. It's there. You just need to learn how to access it.
0: So, so, let's be clear right here, but it's pretty much the same institution. like when you walk in the door, which is where we're headed here, I think, to not do commerce and you're going to be private, it's about papers being filed in a certain way, but it's to the same facilities for lack of a better term, right? There's not a whole separate for the actual state of New Hampshire. yes, right? yes there is
2: a separate. it's they have, it is they were
0: it is separate,
2: okay, I send stuff to the president i send it to your excellency donald j trump i do not send it to the president of the united states that's his public title that's the title granted to him to run the public side of things in his private side he's called his excellency okay the post office is the private side of the postal service the postal service is the public side now you think those words are interchangeable i'm telling you they're not when i write to the head of the post office uh megan i think her name is barry hill I address it to her proper title because when she's addressed to a proper title, I expect her to do the private side of business. Okay.
0: And these people are well aware is what oh, you're yeah. pointing out that when they see the, the appropriate words, use the appropriate title tendered, uh, they understand which jurisdiction they are, which yes. Yeah. Which jurisdiction they're about to operate. Yes, in.
2: I believe the ones at the top easily know that there's more than one hat they're wearing. Okay. So they're allowed to do certain things on one side and certain things on the other side. Right now, have you ever done registered mail, Crow? Yes, actually. Guess, guess what? That's private mail. Have you ever noticed that those numbers are in red? Actually, I haven't. I should pay better attention. Yes. Red means private. So it's, it's, it's all over the, the envelope. They stamp it in red. If you do certified mail or regular mail, it's in black. That's the public side of the postal service.
0: Hmm. So you
2: could do private mail to private individuals using registered mail, or guess what? I can use FedEx, because that's a private business. So how do you think I send stuff when I want it sent privately? I send it through registered mail or FedEx mail. I don't send it through regular mail.
0: You see the difference? I do see the difference, and I'm also starting to put together other things I'm aware of, like a ledger, where you're running in the black or you're running in the red. That must relate as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Red in their system, they recognize as private. Blue or black is public. And if you notice any stuff I send you, it's always color-coded.
0: I did notice that. Yes,
2: there's a reason, because usually when I'm talking about private things, even on writing, I put it in red, I put private things in blue, just so there's no mistake of which entity or which thing I'm talking about. Makes it very clear, very easy to understand.
0: Okay, we're with you.
2: All right. I'm going to back up a little bit again, 1867. Congress creates five military districts in ten southern states. These commanders appoint judges. They have military tribunals to deal with the, quote, rebels. This created a new law form called Presidential Admiralty. These courts displayed stars and stripes with heavy gold fringe. Does that sound like the flag we got today?
0: It is the where I live, it is the flag that is flying at the town. And every time I go in there, I ask anyone why is that flag flying? And they say, because the fringe is pretty. And I just kind of roll my eyes and go, okay, then.
2: It's telling you that you're under executive two, article two, executive power, commander in chief, military. That's what it's telling you. You are not in an article three judicial court under the Constitution. You're under an Article Two. Emergency war powers, commander in chief, military venue.
1: Is the gold fringed flag the only one you will ever see in a courtroom? For now,
2: yes. If that changes, (laughs) if we go back to republic, that'll change.
0: Well, I can tell you at my local municipality, no one has a clue that the fringe is there for anything more than being pretty. That's wrong.
2: It's in... You know, if you're in
0: the service, I was, they'll teach you this,
2: but they only teach it usually when you go to, um, once you become a colonel and you go to what they call like a colonel school or, you know, in preparation to becoming a general, then they start teaching you these things. It's in the army regulations. Hmm. What it means, it means you're under, I'll go on, but it's under, basically think of it as you're under military rule, martial law, military rule, military law. You can use the term you want, but I call it article two emergency war powers.
0: Okay, so what, I'm sorry, what's the date again? 18 something? We 1867. See like? 1867. We see Lincoln the old fringe. Okay. Yep.
2: 1868, you know, that's when the 14th Amendment comes along, right? 13. Read the 14th Amendment if I send it to you. I'm trying to find
0: mine. All right, here it is. It's, uh, it's called the 13th Scan, by the way. 14th Amendment, Section 1. This part is highlighted. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States, then this is highlighted in blue, and of the United States wherein they reside. No more highlighting. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States.
2: Okay, section one, and... If you really read that carefully, they're talking about two different citizenships. One citizen of the United States and one of the state wherein they reside. Do you see that?
0: Yeah, I actually do now that I'm looking at it. Yep. Yes. So there's two different jurisdictions, two different citizenships, right? This
2: goes to the matrix. This goes to, again, reinforcing there are two things going on here at the same time. All right? Yeah. All right. So 70 years, let's, let's skip ahead, 70 years plus 1859 gets us to 1929. Lo and behold, stock market crashes. The debt at that time was $17 billion. The HOA, United States of America Inc is bankrupt again, can't pay. So I believe they used derivatives that time to bring the market down. And then because of the derivatives and everyone figured that out, they were ruled illegal. But in 1999, Gingrich, Clinton, and Greenspan bring back the derivatives. Geez, I wonder why they brought them back. Just a hint.
0: <laughs>
2: um, so the bankers come along and say, you know what? You know, you're know broke. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to restructure the debt again. But in the first restructure, 1789, they get legal control of the land, the federal land and buildings. In 1859, the restructure, they get uh, legal control of the state building, state land, or what's left
0: to collateralize. Because this is all this is. You understand, it's just collateralizing the debt. I, I'm starting right? to follow your thread because I'm sure. starting to feel like I'm coming after the buildings and the land.
2: <laughs> just like the banks do now. You know, We need money up front. We're not going to give you 100% of the loan. We, we need title to the car. We got you got to give us collateral. It, it's the same system. They're doing the same thing. So what do they do at this time? Well, they decide we're going to collateralize the people. Well, you can't collateralize the people, the natural people, flesh and blood man, because that's slavery, that would be illegal and they would all be hung. So they come up with this system of certificates of live birth, creating the sole corporation, all, all capital letter entity. Okay. Because you can according, you can tax a corporation, because that's a corporate soul corporation of one you're allowed to tax it you're not allowed to tax under the constitution financial people right there was a case in 1895 called the pollock case where it was laid down at that time they tried to um, tax the people and they said no you can't but you can't tax corporations so by doing the birth certificate by the state creating a sole corporation now that is allowed to be taxed because it's a federal privilege would you agree to that concept?
0: I, I would, but, uh, and I don't want to sidetrack you, but it's all done by sleight of hand. There is no meeting of the minds. There is no awareness of what's being done, which is always my beef, but I don't want to pull you off track. So no, no, no. Part- I'm, gl- I'm so happy I've been waiting for you to say that. I just knew
2: you would because you're exactly right. And here's the reason why you're right. Yes, it's fraud on its face. So guess what? There is no statute of limitations on fraud because it was fraudulent because it was done wrong. Guess what? You get to get out of it. You can go back and undo it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And this has always been, this has always been one of my primary arguments because there is, I mean, if you want to use the word contract, there isn't one. If you want to use the word agreement, trust agreement, where the hell's the agreement? (laughs) There is no agreement. So yes. I, I know that much to know. that Yes, and almost
2: always you're the only one signing the agreement, like on the user agreement. You just check. They never sign. On almost everything you do with them, you you put your signature on a mortgage. You never see the bank put their signature, do you? No. That's a lateral contract of adhesion. You can get out of it. That, that's what I'm trying to tell you is the reason that's- it works and what I do works is because legally you can undo it.
0: Well, think think about all the way up into this digital nonsense that we're all moving into. Oh, click here if you agree. That's not a signature. And by the <laughs> way, you can't prove who's po- holding the mouse, even if it right. was a signature, which it's not. So right. this, I, I'm glad we're getting into. The, here's the house of cards, ladies exactly. and gentlemen. It's here all is the magic. house of
2: cards. Yes, it's all magic. It's made to, that you think
0: it's under presumption and assumption. It's all right, not okay. really legal, and it sure isn't lawful. I was going to say, KL, bring your wind. Let's blow on the House of Cards.
2: <laughs> well, that's in an hour two. As I get to the remedies in the next there, hour, there you go. Um, all right, so let's get back to 1929, and I'll start pulling in some other people. You have had Curtis Kallenbach on. He tells you about the afterbirth. The afterbirth is. Would, would you say that was alive at the time of birth? Right.
0: Yes, it was all. But, it, it was whole. The 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 being was whole at that point but it is
2: presumed that it's going to die because you know it it doesn't have lungs and a heart and that kind of stuff right right all right
0: i I got the same beef i won't bring it up but i got the same beef but go ahead yeah i've got the
2: the united states district of columbia 1871 thing and the code of the district of columbia in my hand and i'm going to go to definitions 7-201 number nine live birth means the complete expulsion or extraction from its mother of a product of human conception i.e pulsation of the umbilical cord movement of voluntary muscles whether or not the umbilical cord has been cut or the placenta is attached number 10 person means individual a trust an state a partnership or a corporation those are all artificial entities so they're legally is the way they do it they take the afterbirth and they give it a name you're all camp staying. and that is now the the estate that they refer to, or what is legally termed the decedent legal estate.
0: Yeah. Again, built on fraud, just to make the point, yes, but please.
2: Absolutely. Please. And right. that's what they're charging when you go into court and we're going to get into court in the second hour,
0: but that's how they do it.
2: That's the way they do it. And again, I just think it's good to understand how it was done to you. The how and the why are important to understand the remedy of the solution. That's just the way I think anyways. So let's go to 1933, we're going to move up the time frame. March 4th, FDR takes office. Now every president was signed into office on March 4th. Why are we doing January 20th now? Well, that's because a new form of government came into place and that's why the uh, inauguration was changed. March 6th, two days later, he declares a national emergency. It's called Proclamation 2039. This national emergency has the same effect as going to war. It gives the president unlimited executive power. This was a coup d'etat, a new military, Article II, under emergency war powers, form of government, ousts or sets aside the de jure 1789 government. It takes over, basically. The new codified states, remember when I talked about the state of New Hampshire, become de facto military occupied territories, now under control of the commander-in-chief. So he has total control over state of New Hampshire, state of Illinois, basically almost everything. He seizes all publicly registered property, and the key is registered property. And at that time, again, all the farms, the land had been registered, the cars were registered, uh, the people were registered, right? So now he has control over all assets that are registered property in the states.
0: All right. This this is 1933, and who's the commander-in-chief at this point?
2: FDR. Okay. Okay. And again, we get back to the gold French flag. It proves he had, he's, it's under military uh, war Powers uh, emergency at this time that's why the courts are have got the uh, eagle with the gold fringe on it. So March 9th three days later Proclamation 2040 the Emergency Bank and Relief Act amends the trading with the 1917 trading with the Enemy Act. Speaker has only one copy no one's given a copy he gave 20 minutes for positive debate 20 minutes for against debate and then they voted on it and they passed it through now in that Emergency Bank and Relief Act, all public U.S. citizens or the corporations, remember they're registered now, are now deemed rebels, belligerent, and enemies of the state. All publicly registered properties placed into a trust via the emergency. And this includes the public citizen or the hybrid, you know, the corporate soul that we're talking about. So everything's placed in trust at that time with the guy running it, the commander in chief, the president of the United States. He, uh, I think it's called the property of the alien property custodians, the secretary of the treasury, who kind of handles all of these assets that are held in trust for everyone, even still to this day, okay? Yep. Now, 70 years plus 1929 brings us to 1999, all right? At that time, the debt is $5 trillion. And of course, the HOA, and again, because that HOA went bankrupt, another one is is hired, and that one is called the United States in all capital letters. But I believe that's a uh, French corporation, and that's a franchise of the uh, the International Monetary Fund. So they run uh, everything today, presently. They run the federal government, private, offshore, foreign corporation.
0: Who who owns the IMF? Is that the Vatican at the Uh, top there?
2: uh, That would be at the top, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another Vatican corporation. Of course. Yeah. Who else? <laughs> now, yeah, here's just just
0: though. making a point there, so no yes. one's losing the thread.
2: Yeah, all roads lead to Rome.
0: Yeah. But
2: under international law, you can only put a country through bankruptcy three times, and we that was the third time. So at the end of the, the two hundred and ten years are supposed to be a jubilee, and sovereign debt is to be forgiven. Now, there's also a twenty year grace period. Uh, that's usually associated with, you know, because again, like in 19 or 1859, there's a grace period with the war. All of this takes time to figure out uh, for the bankers. So you get 1999 plus 20 years is 2019. So we're right at the time when everything's got to be redone. When, if you want to call it a reset, a restructure of the money, what what do you want to call it? But that's what's really driving everything right now.
0: I, I'd Just like perfect. to call it a, a coup d'etat. That's what I'd yep. like to call it. And I'd like to also point out that we are leaving a water age into an air age, and you're about to see the hardest push for digital currency that you've ever seen in your life. Yep. Because the money has to be changed. That's right. It has it's to be, be a whole event. new thing. Yeah, right. The biggest event in world history. The, those poor buggers going to have to change all their water language, right? Now they're going to have to come up with air terms.
2: Yes. Now… You know this is this is where you, know, you get the good versus the bad Is trump trying to get us back to the republic uh maybe i'm not sure i'm not 100 sure or is it just the restructuring of the debt like always where the bankers are going to come in and change everything and usually to their advantage as always
0: right well at any time unless i'm mistaken the thing we call the united states government could could print its own currency and by the way you know, we all saw the James Bond movie Goldfinger. Where the, where the hell is all that gold in Fort Knox? That was supposed to belong to everybody. That's gone. Um, that was gone. gone. <laughs> that, the
2: proof of that is the 1933 or 1929 bankruptcy. Because the Fed was formed in 19 or 1913, the interest that was created by that act had to be paid, according to the act, all you can do is read the act in gold certificates. So we were, we were paying the interest with gold. That only took 20 years and it was gone And
0: for 20 years from what, what date, please?
2: 1913 to 1930 year, 1933, the gold was gone
0: the further complicit fraud in 1963 or four, whatever it was, they're putting up the movie Goldfinger to convince you there's still gold there. Then in the seventies, they're bringing Geraldo Rivera in to show you the small closet with gold to assure you the golds there. Meanwhile, Nixon's pulling us away from the gold standard, Uh, but it's fraud after fraud, after fraud, after fraud. This is truly a house of cards like no other you could imagine.
2: Yes, that's our way of trying to tell the world we really have it when we don't, because all of their currencies are now pegged off of our currency. Right. After 1945, that was the agreement.
0: The rest of the world, I got news for you. We're hand in paper around. It's called an IOU. Right. So let's say, let's just throw a, a hypothetical out there
2: that you've heard of the new they want to institute a universal basic income, right? Yep. What if I renamed it and called it a universal beneficial income? Wouldn't that sound like a trust agreements going to going
0: to happen again? Well, no matter what you call it, you're putting in, putting people on the tit of the government for good. Yes, and they want to give it to
2: everyone. Why else would you give it to everyone unless you're trying to snare them into a contractual obligation?
0: That's right. That's why I didn't take any of the money, and I won't. Ta- I I will eat bugs before I do that.
2: Uh, you don't say that because I could show you a way where you can still take it and not be uh, liable for it.
0: When Not we get perfect. there, that's that's what I'm hoping you're going to bridge the gap. <laughs> if, if we get there, I'll take bugs off the menu.
2: Okay, I'm just telling you there's a way. Okay. That's you know, I got to you this check, but I endorsed it in a very special way and then I sent the letter to the Secretary of the Treasury saying, in no way am I taking this as a settlement or acceptance. I, I thank you very much for the gift. Nice. Okay, so again, uh, they're presuming I'm taking it as a contractual obligation. So what I have to do as a private person is tell them, no, thank you for the gift. But this is not a contractual agreement or an obligation that, you know, And but thank you very much for the gift. Okay. So it sounds simple, but, you know, there's more involved with the whole thing. You just got to know which hat you're wearing, how you want to do things, that kind of thing. All right. I'll do a quick summary. And the main thing is the March 6th, Proclamation 2039, 1933, the national emergency is pronounced. Okay. Three days later, the Proclamation 24, the Emergency Bank and Relief, amends the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. Oh, guess who made the 1917 Trading with the Enemy Act? The Assistant Secretary of the Navy, a guy by the name of Franklin Delano Reservoir. So That F. guy was busy. Yes, was heavily involved with them. So, at that time, you know, we are still under that order today because the national emergency has never been rescinded. It's continued for, what, 87 years.
0: There's uh, no limits on these things, huh? No. Well, the, every new politus has to
2: renew an emer- the emergency.
0: Now you just answered your question about who Donald Trump is. As <laughs> one of a million things that I could point out, if anyone's looking at it with glassy eyes, hoping that someone's coming to pull us out of the mud, I got news for you. He just told you that we are under basically martial law. And what did Trump do? He came and extended the martial law. Anyone who was interested in your freedom would never, if I was there, I would never. Just who has the
2: power to rescind Proclamation 2040. There's only one person that has the power to rescind it. President of the United States. That sets aside. We don't vote for them, but go ahead, please. Yes. So military government. Uh, is that which is established by a commander over occupied enemy territory. The people are generally left, generally left unmolested in ordinary domestic and business relations. Kind of like what's happening now. Under the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, the law of necessity, one of the absolute international rights of state of self-preservation. One of these powers is to institute military government. Under the Constitution, Admiralty Maritime is a civil jurisdiction and can be regulated under a military venue. Admiralty courts are merely civil in nature, not criminal, and the Bill of Rights do not apply. You know that because of UCMJ. So do I. Secondly, the occupants are treated as rebels, belligerents, and enemies of the state. Isn't that kind of what how everyone is treated?
0: Look at how the police treat people. Oh, openly at this point. Yeah, we've had a slow creep. Now it's open.
2: Yes. Uh, the commander has the right to seize any property. Every subcorporation, state of New Hampshire, state of Florida is de facto conquered territory. Under his control, under the Constitution, there are three kinds of military jurisdiction, one exercised in peace, one in foreign war or time of rebellion, and one in time of invasion. So I'm telling you, all of this is constitutional in terms of the military emergencies. 1973, congressional record. This was a guy by the name of Senator Frank Church, quote, the United States has been in a state of declared national emergency since March 9th, 1933, unquote. Majority of people in the United States have lived all their lives under this emergency rule. Um, When a citizen is governed under military power, he's not governed by the soldier's code of military law, like the UCMJ, but he is said to be governed by martial law. And this law is entirely different, How different from the Constitution and Bill of Rights. These are just some of the facts that prove the United States incorporated is governed under a military venue and martial law jurisdiction. The zip codes are military venues. So when you put zip codes down on every address, you're agreeing this is how they look at it, that you're under their jurisdiction.
0: Which, just to be clear, up. again, this is all fraud and sleight of hand, but go ahead. Yes.
2: yes. Uh, only under military law does Congress have the statutory authority to combine equity and admiralty maritime law. Now, headline in the American Journal Society 1996, Judge Admits to War Powers Court. This is in their Journal Society paper. On the front page may 7 1996 a municipal court judge carol wardell in a traffic case stated the defendant had refused to enter the bar unless she removed the flag the judge said she would protect his rights under the war powers act of march 9 1933 but would not change the flag in her courtroom and this is for those who think lower level judges just follow orders and don't know what's going on a newspaper article quoted in the associated press uh february 9 1999 stated in 1942 daylight savings time Quote, wartime went into effect in the United States. So again, daylight savings times is wartime, military time. These are just, again, just examples of how they think and they understand that they've got you under their
0: jurisdiction. But but they they don't. Let's be clear as we're getting close to the top hour. They damn well don't. This is a house of cards. This This crap is coming down, and here's why. Because for our entire lives, we've been told we're under a constitution, that we vote for a president, which we don't, which we have all these things that made the United States grace. That's all a lie. Daylight savings time built on a lie. We were told the farmers needed more daylight to farm. That's how we got it. We were never told we were going to military time. That's fraud. There's no meeting of the minds. There's no contract. There's no agreement. And their little trust agreement idea, poppycock. And that's why. Hopefully, people like KL are going to say these words to the right ear out there, and the first domino is going to start to fall. There's no way that a house built on sand is going to continue to stand, and this so-called kingdom, it is completely without foundation, wholly without foundation. And the laws, the principal natural laws of the natural world prove that this can't stand. And this coup d'etat that we see right now is a desperate, rushed effort to try to stuff some more bricks under the faltering foundation. But this time, they're probably willing to get a little more nasty about it. But I think we're just about there. Do you want to add anything in, Jason, before we begin to wrap up hour one? Because hour two is going to be a big damn deal.
1: Right. Well, for hour two, let's start talking about what is the first step to pulling that entire house of cards down. What's the first card that
2: needs to be pulled?
0: That's where we're going here. Help you understand exactly what that is.
2: And I think you really do understand that, yes, this is fraud. That's good for us because then we can get out of it. We can legally get out of their agreements, their supposed contracts. We can get to where we want to be, but it's their sandbox. So in their sandbox, you got to play by their rules.
0: For now, it's their sandbox. That Correct. that that too shall change. But I'll point out a critically important thing that people miss all the time. In 1996, not too many of us knew we didn't know. All the way up here in 2020, there are boatloads and boatloads of people to make an admiralty pun who understand what's gone on here and understand that there are methods, remedies, systems that we can come and use to get out from under all this kind of dark-hearted inverse brethren fraud that's been going on. But that does bring us to the top.
2: Can I add one thing real quick?
0: Please. Just as a recommendation,
2: Google Alfred Adask Trust Fever Family Guardian. There's a trust article about 10 pages long, and there's also a book by David E. Robinson on, on trust that you can buy off Amazon for $13. Give you your listeners, a way to try to help understand this stuff.
0: All right. So just to be clear, the name is, the first name is Alfred. The last name is Adask, A-D-A-S-K. Yes. Um, You can look that up here in the notes that I have. The pages 66 to 72 are singled out as important, but that's where you can go to look at- The article is called Trust Fever. Okay, there it is. That does bring us to the top of our one, of episode 256, and when we come back an hour or two, and by the way, I don't think I'm running any of this on social media because I'm not playing the game. To be frank about it, I'll run it on my own private side, off my own private server. But when we come back, we're going to start laying down what I consider to be keys of the kingdom. I finally feel like someone is here who's been showing what Kurt, what what all these people have been laying down, and now we're talking to a person who's implemented it, and his status is not the same as my status. Because he did this, and that's what I've been waiting for. I ask every time when we go down these laws how far, and I I knew it was a matter of time. So in hour two, to me, this is a big deal. We're going to start to be handed some ideas that we can implement, which will start to address who blows the hardest on this house of cards. But there it is, hour one of 257. Join us at crow777radio.com for hour two. That's crrow 777 radiocom That's the only true Crow site in the world. Sorry, I can't talk at the end of this first hour. And any membership level will get you access to the first hour. It's about a price of a cup of coffee. And by the way, we're pulling eight shows a month now, which is double what most people are doing. There it is, man. Join us at Crow777radio.com for hour two of episode 256, given the keys on how you can deal with trust agreements, which you are in right now. There it is. Cheers.